I'd like to follow along as I read. I'll be reading this evening from Romans chapter 4. I'm going to read Romans chapter 4, verses 19 through 25. This is speaking of Abraham. And without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured that what he had promised, he was able to perform. Therefore also it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Not, now not for his sake only was it written, that it was reckoned to him, but for our sake also, to whom it will be reckoned as those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he who was delivered up because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. Let us pray. Our Father, indeed, as we sung of, of Christ, did ever such love and sorrow meet as in Christ on that day on the cross. Father, again, may we never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ that death that he died, and yet we also rejoice in that resurrection that he lived and proclaimed to his followers. And so we rejoice and we find comfort and peace and hope in these things. And we ask that you would help us as we study your scriptures, as we dig into your word, Father, that you would help us to be those Bereans, help us to search, help us to understand, help us to always give praise and glory to your name in these things that we read and meditate on. And we ask that you would build up your church, that you would make your church a glory to our Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. In our study of the scripture and the contemplating the law, the Torah, as it's called, I have found that uh, sometimes I get bogged down in, in so much in technical detail, trying to understand things that seem sometimes beyond me that I sometimes lose sight of, well, what, what did God do? What was his intention in giving of the law, the five books of Moses, but also the scriptures through the prophets and the narratives that we read? And it was helpful for me to read, um, and I'm going to read a, a paragraph from an article written 100 years ago uh, by Benjamin Brecken. Ridge Warfield, B.B. Warfield, on the God of Israel. But it was a reminder to me of, as I study the scriptures, as I look at the Old Testament, what God, God's intent was. He writes, the Old Testament does not occupy itself with how Israel thought of God. It concerns, its concern is with how Israel ought to think of God. To it, the existence of God is not an open question, nor his nature, nor the accessibility of knowledge of him. 
God himself has taken care of that. He has made himself known to his people and their business is not to feel after him if haply they may fumblingly find him, but to hearken to him as he declares to them what and who he is. The fundamental note of the Old Testament, in other words, is revelation. Its seers and prophets are not men of philosophic minds who have risen from the seen to the unseen and by dint of much reflection have gradually attained to elevated conceptions of him who is the author of all that is. They are men of God whom God has chosen that he might speak to them and through them to his people. Israel was not in and by them created for its has not in and by them created for itself a God. God has through them created for himself a people. If we are to attend at all to the Old Testament's own conception of the matter, therefore, it is a mistake to look into the Old Testament for Israelitish ideas about God. What it professes to give us is God's revelation of himself to Israel. I would like us to keep that in mind as we look at this evening the idea that the scriptures were not only written to Israel, to the people that he chose for himself, but for the rest of us that he has chosen for himself. That as the scripture says, they were written, Paul's words here, now not for his sake only was it written, meaning Abraham, but for our sake also to whom it will be reckoned as those who believe. That the scriptures were written for us. That the law, the law of Moses, the books of the Pentateuch were written for us. Inciting this passage of the scripture that was written, he cites Genesis 15, 6. Abraham believed God and it was credited to credited to him as righteousness. But then he says, now not for his sake, Abraham's sake only, but also to us. The law was written for Christians, but it was read by Paul as testifying to the gospel. As one of the writers has written, it is a witness to the gospel. That is what Paul sees as the duty and the use of the law. Not that the law is cast aside by him at all. It was written as a testimony of the gospel. At the center of the Old Testament then we see that all of the Old Testament, the scriptures as well as the Torah, is God. God as a person. God who reveals himself to his people. And he reveals his plan of redemption for his people by himself. So when he declares in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6 that, that we know as the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. It is our focus is on him. It is on what he is doing and how he is revealing himself to his people. But I believe that Paul, when he gives instructions to Christians, he is looking at the scriptures, looking at the Old Testament law as being something that, that appeals to more than a human authority. 
that the, the law was intended for our sake. The law was intended for believers. In 1 Corinthians 9 and 10, he gives instruction to Christians for their conduct, but he ties it to the law. In, in chapter 10, um, it's, he's talking about Israel in the wilderness and all of the things that they encountered, the murmuring and the, and the, the way in which they were, were angry with God. And Paul uses this, this little phrase in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 10, with most of them, God was not well pleased. God was not pleased with Israel. But he goes on in chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians to say, Now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction upon whom the end of the ages has come. Again, he's referencing the law. And don't forget that the law is not just the Levitical law, the thou shalt nots and the thou shalt, but it is the narratives. It is the explanation of his people, the, the, the gathering of his people together through the patriarchs and through, yes, Moses and on. But it is written for, our, for an example to us that we may not be among those whom God was not well pleased in, but they were written for our instruction because God is revealing himself and his redemption plan through these things that we read. So we do not jettison the law. We study the law to understand who and what God is doing and who he is and what he has done. But I believe that we can say with writers that the law prophesies. The, the law is that witness. E even Jesus says this. Think about Matthew 11. He, he is speaking about John the Baptist. He's just had a visit from John's disciples when, when he is in jail. And he's, they ask him, you know, are, are, are you the Messiah or should we look for another? And, and after he has, has told them, you know, just think about what you've seen and heard. When they leave, he begins to explain to those who are um, around him. He says, for all the prophets and the law testified until John. He, he, Jesus says it explicitly. The law and the prophets testify about John. They, they were prophecy of what was to come in Christ. Or John chapter 5, uh, there were those who were, who were ready to stone him to death. They, they, were, they were making plans to kill him because they understood that Jesus had said that God was his own father, making himself equal with God, the scripture says. And Jesus turns to them and says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness of me. He's using the term scriptures, not just about the prophets, but I think, again, the law and the prophets. In Luke chapter 24, that, that beautiful passage that, that kind of makes the, the, the hair on your arms stand up a little bit when you read about those two men who are walking on the road to Emmaus with him. And, and he begins to open the scripture. He says, and beginning with Moses... 
and all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Uh, Jesus says the, the law of Moses, uh, all of the five books and the prophets, they all point to me, point to himself as the Messiah. And the day that they had just experienced when Christ had died on that weekend, and then the despair that they felt, and yet the burning in their hearts as they understood that he was unfolding the testimony of the Old Testament of the gospel. Paul in Galatians chapter 3 writes, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, all the nations shall be blessed in you. He uses the term scripture, but what does he quote from? He quotes from the law of Moses. He quotes from the book of Genesis. So Paul says that the law, the law which is part of scripture and the Genesis which is part of the Torah foresees, he, he, he says it, it has a function that we think of for prophecy, do we not? We, we think of the law gives commands and, and statutes to obey, and we think of the prophets as those, their language foretells, it foresees, it tells us what is coming. And yet Paul says, no, here, the law foresees. He preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. The law as prophecy. In my study, I have a book uh, by Brian Rosner who's looking at this. Um, there must be a dozen or two dozen books that have the title Paul and the Law. <laughs> and it's one of those. But in there, he reviews some of the uh, current literature, literature uh, writings over the last uh, decades or so uh, about the character, the prophetic character of the law. And so this section in my notes is taken as he reviews some of those books and the things that they, the authors bring out. And in this Galatians chapter 3 passage, from, from my understanding, uh, the rabbis had, had tension over Galatians chapter 3 because of their belief that, yes, Abraham was given the promise before the law of Moses, but they decided that Abraham obeyed all of the law, that he somehow understood the law that was not yet given. And yet we read from Paul, he says, what I am saying is this, the law which came 430 years later does not invalidate a covenant previously ratified by God so as to nullify the promise. Paul's emphasis there is, is on Abraham's faith, not on Torah observance. It's anticipate what, what God is doing and going to do in Christ for believers. And so there we see that that tension they had, I think, was well-founded, and yet I believe they came out on the wrong side. And Paul explains for us this emphasis that it does not validate that covenant, or again, what is Paul... You, 
using, I, I think, a better word for it, the promise that was given to Abraham. And the central message of the Pentateuch is that man is justified by faith, not by law. The Pentateuch speaks often of the falling away of the children of Israel. I just completed reading again through the entire book of Deuteronomy. And yes, there is connection in in the chapters to all of the Ten Commandments. There's kind of a, a case law study of the Ten Commandments. But you re read over and over again about that there is a falling away. There, there is a, 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 an unbelief to the children of Israel. But there is also a reason in the book of Deuteronomy for hope. He uses the words, in the latter days. And that becomes a phrase, for example, in Deuteronomy 4, in the latter days you will return to the Lord your God and listen to his voice. There is a, a prophetic note even in Deuteronomy, even in the midst of, of what we would consider bad news or the, the um, explanation of what you know, Moses is looking back at their, their trek through the, the wilderness and, and saying, you know, these are the things that happen, but in the latter days you will return to the Lord your God. The primary focus then is on justification by faith, not the law, and yet that requires divine action. It is the focus of the Genesis narratives of Abraham's faith. When Paul looks at Genesis 12, the promise, and then later reiteration of that promise in Genesis chapter 15, he emphasizes the universal blessing. Paul is looking at the blessing rather than Abraham's faithfulness. And we see that even that is echoed in, in Deuteronomy in the song of, of Moses that, that he gives for the people that, you know, go back to this. When, when you're going into the land to possess it, he is saying, you know, I've written this song. It's been given to me by God that you will focus on this. Again, the divine action. In Deuteronomy 32, it says, the rock. His way is perfect, for all his ways are just, a God of faithfulness and without injustice. Righteous and upright is he. Even as, as Moses looks at them saying, yes, I, you ought to obey the law. These things were given for you. And yet his focus in his, his song that was to remind them of where they had been and where they were going was to remind them of God and his action in bringing them out of Egypt and placing them in the land of promise. And we see also in Deuteronomy a need for God's decisive action. Again, the latter days theme is raised. And then we hear at the end of chapter 32 in that song, we hear the note that I don't believe has been raised in Deuteronomy until this point that atonement is required. In verse 43 of chapter 
32 of Deuteronomy, he says, Rejoice, O nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and will render vengeance on his adversaries and will atone for his land and his people. We, we see that prophetic note. Yes, it, it may be a little dim, but, but it's definitely there. The law as prophecy, the law as hope, the law as giving us a picture into what God would do for his people. Deuteronomy also gives us the hope of a prophetic, sovereign-like king. In chapter 17, we read, And you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. And then in chapter 18, he says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, meaning Moses, from among you. We, we, again, we see that dimly there, and, and yet there is that prophecy. If I could read again from Warfield in relation to these things at the end of his article on the God of Israel, he writes, Thus the revelation of God to Israel culminated in the revelation of God coming to save his people. It was not clearly revealed to Israel that his com this coming of Jehovah to redemption was one with the coming of the anointed king, as it was not clearly revealed to Israel that the anointed king was one with the atoning servant. It required the fulfillment to weave together all the threads of the great revelation into one marvelous portraiture. But it was clearly revealed to Israel that God was its savior and that he would visit his people with his, in his compassion and he would redeem them from all their iniquities. In this hope Israel rested and by it Israel lived and resting in and living by it Israel laid its ear to the ground and listened with beating heart for the voice crying, prepare ye in the wilderness the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The law was a prophetic voice witnessing to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps the most clear place in Paul's writings of the precepts of the, the law as testifying to the gospel is in Romans. Abraham's being justified by faith was written for us who believe is a note that sounds through Romans. In chapter 1, at the very beginning, when Paul sets out his ministry, he said, I was set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Again, he's looking at the prophets and the prophesying of the gospel of God. But then in Romans chapter 4, he, usually, he uses the scriptures and includes in there the law. In Romans chapter 4, he says, what does the scripture say? And then he goes on to quote from Genesis. In Acts chapter 3, Peter speaks uh, like Paul. He says, God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets. And then who does he quote? Moses. He sees Moses and the law as being prophetic, as those prophets that would testify of the gospel. In chapter 3 of Romans, 
Paul writes, But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. He does not say righteousness received apart from the law, but what he says is righteousness manifested apart from the law. The, the, the law testifies to the righteousness of God, but it was required that that righteousness be manifested. It, it's there in a form in the law, and yet Paul says it must be manifested apart from the law. Not as law covenant, not as the commandments and statutes, but as prophecy signifying the redemptive plan of God in Christ. D.A. Carson, in his writings on the law as prophecy, writes, According to Paul, God gave the law not only to regulate the conduct of his people and to reveal their sin until the fulfillment of the promises in Christ. He also gave it because the law has a prophetic function, a witness function. It pointed in the right direction. It bore the witness to the righteousness that is now being revealed. Both the prophets and the law were written for Israel. And again, I hope we see through these things that the law and the prophets was also written for us as an example for us, for our instruction, as a witness to the gospel of Christ. But now it has been man made manifest. Now we see more clearly. Just as Abraham did, we can walk in God's revelation by faith. Let us pray. Our Father, we do thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for the revelation that you gave. We thank you for the men that you used to record these things for our example, for our instruction, for, for our sake. These things were written that we might be named among those who believe and that we might exalt you, that we might praise you, that we might be your chosen people. So we ask that we would meditate on these things, we would rejoice in these things, and we would proclaim these things ourselves. We ask that you would do this in Christ's name. Amen. Would you please rise for the benediction. One more passage from Paul in Romans, the end of chapter 16. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret from, for long ages past, but now is manifested, and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the eternal God, has been made known to all the nations leading to obedience of faith. To the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be the glory forever. Amen.